everyone and welcome back to the 1 to 100 architecture podcast where we delve into everything architecture related, shed some light on our personal experiences and help you in understanding the architecture realm. It's your girl Adonai and I'm joined here today by Amanda, Basma, Ray and a very special guest. But before we reveal our special guest for this episode, I'd like to let you know what this episode is all about. As you know, the theme for season two is understanding architecture. So we thought that it would be great to see what Reba part three is all about. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, Amrit Sira. Amrit is a British Sikh designer based in Southeast London, a self-proclaimed maximalist, pop culturalist, part-time Twitter activist, and an up and coming content creator. She's explored her passion for pop culture throughout her works in academia and she's currently a part two architectural assistant at Studio Partington working on high quality sustainable residential schemes in London. Outside of practice, Amrit is currently a mentor with the University of Greenwich but she's also appeared alongside other industry professionals in the image of women in construction in 2018 appearing in in the construction management magazine to champion women especially women of color in entering a career in the construction industry having me thank you for inviting me and having me on this uh, platform thank you you're welcome welcome. of course we had to um so yeah we'll just probably get straight into the um questions but i'm so happy to see that like you're doing so many different things i love that twitter activist like i actually love it I, so the opening line was just me kind of being a bit, I'm a bit cheeky in my approach to most things. I don't take a lot seriously. So it was kind of just me being a bit, uh, yeah, being a bit cheeky. It's only because, you know, the last couple of days have been a bit a bit crazy in the architecture sphere uh, on Twitter, online in general. So I just thought I'd throw it in there. But... <laughs> Twitter's a different world. Well, <laughs> and sometimes on Clubhouse making angry just talking angrily anyway so yeah now you actually have to shake the system honestly so the question to you is um will I ever be an architect and should I even continue are these like thoughts that you've ever that have ever crossed your mind or like you know you think about daily so doing part three is essentially a total self-reflection on your career so far as from day dot basically to where I am today um so yeah I have definitely self-reflected on what am I, why am I doing this and will I ever do and especially in the last year so I was meant to I was meant to graduate and finish in October but I decided to delay my submission etc just to get more experience on site so especially with COVID everything got delayed anyway but um it was yeah it was at that point when the, de- the deadline just kept getting further and further away I was just like am I ever going to finish this I just want it to end <laughs> I just I just want to be a student a student for a bit but um I will say as of September it's been 10 years since I stepped foot on my undergraduate campus at University of Creative Arts in Canterbury so um yeah I've been a decade in this now <laughs> somehow um but definitely throughout there's been several points where I have thought uh, should I give up should I continue is this what I want to do um, just having knockbacks you know you have like self-confidence things uh, self-confidence issues that you're that are telling you I don't know if this is for me am I really going to be good at this because um, like most people I want to do something but I want to be good at it and I don't want to just do I don't want to do a mid-level I want to you know do it to the best of my ability so yeah no definitely has crossed my mind what has kept me going I think it's just my own pure determination and stubbornness <laughs> to not give up yeah. and to say look I, I can see my peers like you know having a good support network but yeah my own my own determination to just push through and get it done yeah that's really good and I think yeah I think with anyone really um well most people you know when you're doing something you want to make sure you're doing it to the best of your ability because at the end of the day with architecture you're like serving people so like if you, there's, there's no room for you to like get it wrong basically um so yeah I think that being said um can you like tell us like why you got into the architect architecture industry and, and like 
you know, who influenced your kind of like choice? Yep. Uh, I had to do this in my career appraisal for part three because um, I didn't, I wasn't born wanting to be an architect. Didn't, I was, I was like, I went through all the other glamorous things. I was like, I'm going to be an actress. Um, I even thought I wanted to work in fashion and did work experience oh at for a week. I was just like, no, I don't want to do this. This is not for me at all. Um, <laughs> even, even, even if it was just fashion journalism, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. This is not for me either. Um, and then I kind of, you know, I was doing my GCSEs and A-levels and I really enjoyed like product design. I really enjoyed problem solving and making things and kind of designing. And that's where my like passion lie. And I would spend most of my time in like the GCSE A-level um, years in the DT block, just in the design technology block with the design technology teachers. And um, yeah, it was, I think it was my graphics teacher or my um, product design teacher that suggested architecture as a path. Because um, I was like, I don't know what I want to design. I just kind of like designing, but I don't know if graphics is really for me. I don't know if product design is really for me. And he said architecture kind of is a bit more broader and, you know, you work at different scales. Um, obviously, you design buildings, but you can do this, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the be all and end all that you do architecture and just design buildings. It's more of an open platform. Um, and I stupidly believed someone told me that architects would be stacking coins. And uh, I'd just like to say once and for all, can we dispel this rumor and never... <laughs> yeah. never <laughs> I never want to hear anyone in fact when anyone says it to me now I just say bluntly we don't like we don't earn that much like I please don't tell don't say this to any future person we don't <laughs> but it's true I feel like I've heard that before like whenever someone says oh what did you study architecture oh you're gonna make a lot of money then are we where is it? And they'll say it's not even just like oh so are you designing like housing how are you like changing the world kind of thing it's just like oh I bet you're making loads of money it's like I'm not <laughs> but thanks <laughs> I wish I was pay me better <laughs> and that typical like when they when they say like oh you know like I see you designing a house for me and I'm like let's if I get another tinder hinge whatever slide in the dms of oh so you're an architect you're going to design my house for me or if i get one more i'm just blocking everyone and everything like i'm done i'm done it's the deadest it's the deadest line do not use it don't want to hear it because i'm not oh designing free no. <laughs> it's always the aunties and uncles as well no, no i'm not gonna do it <laughs> I'm, 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 all right i'll do it i'll do it at a discounted rate but you still have to pay me. Like I, for, for for some years, I was just like to my cousins that wanted like freelance work done. I was like, just pay me in Nando's. That's absolutely fine. Like just no, buy me. Like, I would legit just take them to a trip to IKEA and be like, "No, you can pay you me. Know, do what you can. <laughs> do what you want with it." <laughs> but yeah, no. Going forward, it's you know I have I have an invoice and I have fees. You're paying for my time. You're paying for my you know knowledge, experience, yeah. etc. No, um, definitely yeah it's definitely the first thing you hear the minute you say you're studying architecture so it's just uh yeah I think we just need people to better understand what we do on a day-to-day -day kind of thing and I guess sometimes yeah. it's difficult as well because when when it comes to like charging your friends and family you don't it's hard because you don't want to charge them essentially but if I mean I don't know I'll actually ask this question to you guys like would you charge your friends and family the same rate you would charge your clients? Mm, I think that that's the thing, like, what we do, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. So, like you were saying, Amrit, I'll definitely, like, you know, do it for you, but then I feel like it would be discounted. I can't just do it for free. Yeah. I just can't do it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it was also, like, quite, yeah, it's like you're undervaluing what I do as well if I was to do it for I think people just don't understand the depth like it takes to just actually design like even one singular space like let alone a whole house that's a lot and you have to take into account like what they want what they want what's possible the environmental conditions and everything and yeah no I just obviously like looking back like how did you find your sort of architectural journey? Because obviously 
taking into account of like industry experience and in your education, you obviously see like there's moments of like, you know, fulfillment moments where you're just like, oh, get me out of here. So yeah, like what do you feel? Um, How was your journey? To describe it in one word, it's been like a roller coaster. Like there's been ups, downs, lows, highs. There's been moments of self-doubts. There's been emotional breakdowns. <laughs> there's been, but, you know, you just seem to overcome them. And, you know, it's just like one hurdle after the other. And you're just trying to get through those hurdles and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's, there's been loads of positives. I feel like um, I've been, like, you know, been opportuned for any great moments that I can, you know, get involved in. Um, I've worked at some, I've worked at great practices and they've been quite, um, you know, they've been quite, uh, quite nurturing and helping me with my experience and stuff. But, you know, it, part and parcel, it comes with all the things that like, I'll be having like emotional breakdowns on my birthday because a model is not working. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> my model not working, someone help me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, yeah, a roller coaster. it's just like, you know, there's moments of there's moments of joy there's moments of like oh I don't know if this I still don't know if this is the right thing for me um but we keep moving I think it's just as long as I'm you know designing I'm carry you just carry on improving and working Um, I think I think it's natural to like especially of how long like it takes to become an architect you're obviously going to get moments of doubt and moments (laughs) of you know like times where you look back and like oh I wish I didn't do that so like did you ever have like any regrets like in in the past or do you feel like those regrets actually shaped you to come today I think I definitely had yeah some definite regrets but they yeah I think they they were there for a reason like those moments of doubt of lows like I failed my first year of masters so not everything I didn't have a smooth journey at all um I also got diagnosed as epileptic during my master's because I had a seizure in my um, university computer studio. Um, and that was due to self, um, sleep deprivation and basically just living on coffee and not sleeping properly and not looking after myself properly. So even moments like that, I even thought after first year that I was going to I was going to pack it in and not do this. And then I was lucky that I had work experience. I got, got some work experience over the summer. Um but the purpose of that work experience was literally just to be like, is this the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? So it was me understanding what the kind of end goal is um, while I was on the journey. So I thought that was really helpful. But um, regrets, I guess I regret choosing the unit I chose in the first year of my master's. But you know what? We live and we learn. I think I learned a lot and I did I did so I did well in other in other modules I did really well in my theory because I absolutely love architectural theory and I love the tutor that we had um but I think you know all those kind of things all those obstacles in life they kind of are trying to get you on the right path or they're, they're presenting you a lesson like I up until then I don't think I'd failed anything since my 11 plus and I just thought oh my god like this is the end like I can't I don't know what to do anymore is this even am I doing the right thing but you know I I picked I think I went back to working at my part one placement for a bit and kind of picked myself up a bit and thought you know what I can't just it's not in me to be a quitter like I can't just quit it it's if I let me give it another go if that then doesn't work out then maybe we do need to think about you know I think the backup plan at that point was I could have become I could have gone into like building surveying or something like that instead um but yeah, I think, you know, minor regrets, but I think they're just lessons that I've learned and gone forward with and made me a better person, and more experienced. I think what I really love about your journey is the fact that like you haven't just gone through a narrow path of architecture, like you've explored so many different things and you've had a reason as to why you've decided to explore them and still continued with this road of architecture. So I guess like with that in mind, I would see you as someone that is quite successful, um, not only just in that, you know, you, you've done your part three, you've done your part two and you've done your part one, but more so because you had a lot of different journeys and you still managed to find the motivation to do so. So I guess as a woman in the architecture world, what does it mean for you to be successful in this industry? And I guess what kind of architect do you aspire to be? 
I really love this question because um, obviously, as you know, I do love championing championing women in architecture. Um, and I mean, I'd, actually, to be fair, I think I champion women in construction in general. Like I've said to my friends, wouldn't it be lovely if you turned up at the site and the construction, um, the site manager or, you know, the people behind the, the contractor that you're dealing with was a woman? Oh, my God, I think I'd weep. I'd, I'd like start crying just years of joy. So fantastic. Um, I think to be a successful woman in architecture, it's just the fact that the part, the part where you're a woman is just not relevant. You are just an architect and you are relevant because of your you know that you're practicing you're improving the profession for those in the future and that you're being a role model and you're you know you're doing things I don't I don't even mind if you're just designing like box box houses like flat pack box houses don't even mind if you're doing that with a bit of dignity and you're doing that to the best of your ability and you're trying to leave a better place not only within the profession within the world for people afterwards I think that's what is important to me. And I think going forward, I really want to be like a nurturing architect. I really want, I really love mentoring. I only got it into it last year, but I really want to expand on that. So at the moment, I'm only mentoring one student, but I'm still, I still would love to mentor more. Um, even if it's just not even, even if it's not just uh, while they're studying, it's like just helping them get on the right track, getting on the right path. Um, like people in secondary school, I'd really love to um, do that. I mean, I'm in talks with the, managing director at my practice to set up a work experience like post-covid when we're all back to normal because I think work experience is you know you need to experience the office you need to be in the office it's a bit difficult to do it virtually I mean it can be done but I just think it's much you'd, you'd gain a lot more so I think um yeah I'd love to do set up like a work experience kind of um uh a work experience I don't know like a work experience <laughs> <laughs> Yes, everything is a system when you get to when you get to part three and beyond is like everything's a system a work experience system within the office um because I think it's really important for people you know to be given that opportunity and I think you know um empowering people in the future is really where I'm at and um I guess uh collaborative as well collaborative is something I've written in capital letters um I want to be collaborative, multidisciplinary, like working with people from different parts of the industry, um, not just, you know, in this little architecture bubble, but reaching out. Um, I think, yeah, just working with different people and like experiencing different like ideas, different backgrounds um, and yeah, bringing inclusivity into the industry. And when I say industry, I mean wider construction industry because, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's just it's, it, architecture obviously has a problem but I think the wider construction industry also has the same problem that we're seeing the same people and the same faces it's really interesting because I never thought about the construction side of it <laughs> I don't know whenever I talk whenever I'm in the discussion of architecture and you know industry I always only think of the design industry part of it I never think about like contractors, surveyors, any of that. And I think when you fight and you're 19 meetings, you're just like, oh, it'd just be so nice to have like the project I have as my case study project is really nice that the design team meeting, I think it was about 50-50, like the, the client was uh, female. We had um, myself and the project architect. So this project has gone through three different uh, project lead architects or project architects. They've all been women and it's been fantastic. So I've worked under two of them. Um, I think briefly under the third one but that's been you know that's that's inspirational in itself just working amongst these people that are also in the same in the same boat but yeah and I think the landscape architect was a woman but yeah it's just once you get to that level and you're in the design team meetings or you're on site you start thinking it's not just our it's not just architecture like it's this whole industry just more people like us god yeah it is really interesting and I'm like glad that's coming into discussion as well because I think it'd be nice to maybe kind of delve into that maybe in another episode where we do talk about not just the designers but actually the other parts mm -hmm. um, that bring a whole project together and diversity and inclusiveness of women in those different parts mm -hmm. yeah that's great. absolutely but um I actually you know because we do talk about, you know, all the things that we do to get to where we are. And especially like the journey you said, like you, 
you know, it was a 10 year stretch, but do you feel like you've ever had to compromise or sacrifice anything to get to where you are now? I mean, obviously I sacrificed sleep, which ended badly. I do not recommend anyone does that. Like going forward, let's abolish this whole all nighter situation because it's just stupid. Amen. Um, <laughs> whoever's listening and it's like 1am go to sleep leave the render to run overnight you don't need to watch it just go to sleep I swear I will be better for it tomorrow morning just go to sleep eat properly um, don't rely on coffee it's it's not it's not everything it says it's going to be on that Starbucks cup please <laughs> that lady on the Starbucks cup is lying to you um yes sleep no all-nighters um i think this horrible notion of overworking needs to just die out within our generations no we should be able to design beautiful things but we should also have a life outside of that and i don't think we should ever have to compromise on that no one else seems to i don't know why we I don't know why we wear this badge of honor thing. I think, oh, I've done three all nighters. Like, well done. Like, you're going to crash out, mate. Like, and you're probably designing at 50, you're probably working at 50%. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Sleep. Get your eight hours. Go for a walk. Set yourself right. Get a to do list. Crack on. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a nine to five. Um, what have I compromised and sacrificed, though? But I think, yeah. Um, so I moved out for my undergraduate, but then for masters, I stayed at home because I was only in, I'd studied my masters at Greenwich. So from Southeast in Southeast London, it's not that far. So I stayed at home, but I was doing, I think I was doing 10 till 10. So I think my family probably didn't see me for about two years, even though I was living with them. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I've had dips in confidence and stuff and I've just self doubt. So, um, working on building those things up, but yeah I've put down as a note uh, a relationship I guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> I decided to uh we're breaking profession again I should really stay professional but I decided to break up with my ex uh a week before a resubmission um because I just wasn't happy and it was just everything was making me unhappy <laughs> and mm. it was like things are not going well um, and I'm not happy we'd been in this relationship for about four years so I voiced my I voiced my concerns it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't I didn't try um and then yeah I decided to break up a week before I had a submission and I just spent a week in the library crying and doing work which also (laughs) no because obviously when we talk about these things you know immediately like our group or whoever we're talking to we just immediately kind of go to you know like health work that's it but there are you know I asked questions because I like there are other things like architecture isn't just work and mentors it affects everyone around you it affects your lifestyle yeah no I think it's important because coming back to the question you just said about successful women in architecture the kind of the way the things are stacked up it's almost as it's almost against like women because of the way we you know we we're family making families essentially like women want to have children at some point and obviously the man can have like his two weeks paternity and go back and we've got to look after look after children um just these long study long study periods doesn't help that like you know people have to hold off whole like weddings and having children until they finish their part three and stuff like I've got friends that have now finished their part three and now they're getting married and have kids and stuff but you know any other industry they would have probably done it way sooner but you have to hold those things off because you know you can't it's you know trying to I try I was watching my friend do a part three and try to plan a wedding luckily mm. covid silver lining held it off and I was just looking at her like I don't know how you're doing this like I've got the utmost respect for you because I don't know how you're doing this at all that is crazy <laughs> there is so much compromise though in terms of you know and as you said like being a woman um trying to develop those kind of relationships whilst you're at your prime I guess prime age to develop yeah. that relationships um with people not just with like guys or girls but with like friends as well like sometimes you may not have the chance to actually um socialize or uh, meet these people so I think um, you know interactivity with just people in general architecture mm-hmm. can be lonely as hell yeah. um it's just one of those courses that if if you don't learn how to find your balance you could just 
sort of stay in your bubble and that's mm-hmm. it, you know dangerous in itself I mean one of the great things about architecture school I mean we can we can talk about how rubbish things are but um was having that studio and that studio environment was fantastic like I don't I literally don't know how I would have gone through my third year at undergrad like my th- yeah my final year at undergrad and I don't think I would have repeated my masters had that not been there because you know we have this like good collective vibe and everyone's on the same page but you can also sit there bouncing ideas off each other and um and you kind of just yeah you create a little community and like they you be- you become a familiar face within the studio and tutors recognize that but also like your peers recognize that and you kind of all just help each other and I think that's one of the nice that's one of the positives of you know of the industry that we're in is uh, we can be collaborative and uh, provide a good support network when we're all in the same boat kind of thing so that's what I kind of want to carry on like support having good support networks and like that kind of you know collaborative um way of working yeah and I think architecture school sorry architecture school really does kind of make you feel a bit secular because you are just working on your design project it's you and your project but then you get to the real world and it you know as Rachel was saying it takes like it it takes a whole army to get a building built like it's not just you on your own you know you have design teams within your practice you have then the wider design team and then it goes to like the construction site and this even bigger team so it's not just you on your own um but I understand group group projects uh might not go down too well (laughs) (laughs) no it's true and I feel like also in architecture school um you know it creates that kind of like competitive like atmosphere um because like everybody's like you know this is my work or like you're just like comparing yourself to other people um but what you did say is that you know at least like we have this studio and like you know people you see familiar faces because I think that's the one when looking back that's the one good thing um that I liked about architecture school um because then if you compare it to other people and their courses they sometimes people are like oh like how come you guys know everyone on your course and it's like yeah because we're all in this together (laughs) in one way or another um but yeah like looking back over the years from like part one to part three is there any key things that stood out to you or differences because um I think a lot of people like when you're in it you understand what part one is but even me thinking to part three I'm thinking like what does it what's there like what what happens beyond that it's no it's it's not very well explained but I can give you a quick rundown so obviously your part one is your undergraduate then you do your part one well the way Reba would like you to do it so the Royal Institute of British Architects would like you to do it is your part one is your undergraduate um then you do a year out as a part one architectural assistant then you would make you would either do a year or two um entirely on you but or even longer you'd go back and do your part two which is your master's degree which is a two d two year degree and then you would become a part two architectural assistant and then after that when you feel like you've got sufficient experience or you feel like i want to go to the you know the next level then you do your part three and the part three i guess is when you start learning how the business operates um how how you run a project how you run a practice um and how you uh, operate as a professional within the industry so I kind of feel like part one is you're finding your feet like everyone's on a level playing field you know assumedly everyone's on a level playing field where you're just you're understanding what it is to design what your kind of design ideas are what you like in design um and understanding the basics and then year one your part um, your year out as a part one architectural assistant is very similar in that you're finding your feet you're understanding in a professional context how to operate you're understanding you know how you how day-to-day life is in the office and how you know how we get these projects from paper to brick and mortar um but part two you're obviously you understand the industry a bit more you finesse your design skills a bit more and you're kind of just building that up and building up that knowledge and understanding of the industry whilst put also putting out your own um design narrative i guess your design ideas to the world so you kind of build up your voice of what you want to say in this profession in this design world etc and then yeah past part three is just like a fast forward um into yeah how to how to get a project from uh 
talking to a client to getting built and handing over that project um I think yeah I think that's kind of the key differences in that you're kind of it's gradual you, you kind of you're developing your skills your knowledge your understanding um but I definitely think I don't know personally whilst I did appreciate having my 50 so Greenwich does so Greenwich is uh, I can only speak on my experience of my master's at Greenwich so the fourth year is more the Reba tick box, the Reba and Arb tick boxes. So making sure you understand um, planning and doing sustainable design and design technology, etc. So it's more the tick boxes for that kind of thing. And then the fifth year, you kind of set your you set your own brief essentially, and you design and research whatever you want. Um, so, but I do feel like the masters could maybe be one year instead of two years. I don't, don't know. <laughs> Say it loud. <laughs> Put them at the back. <laughs> Need to have a special masters that's two years. Um, I feel like we could do a lot more in a year. Or, you know, you get masters that are like a year and a bit, like a year and a half, maybe. You, like they do it over summer instead. Maybe that's something. But I definitely think things in part three should be brought on maybe a bit earlier. Like we should learn about. Some people go out into part year, the year out in part one, not knowing what planning is, etc. Like I think those things, simple, the the big, the big picture should be brought to, brought to us earlier on. And then when you get to part three, it's about like really getting into the nitty gritty about you know uh, how to be a how to run a business more than anything else, and how to run a practice and um, and operate as a professional. Um, I definitely think yeah. I, th I think it's been said to death that you know the architectural education system needs a a big old shake up. I think that's been said to death. So no, definitely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah, because I've been always. I think like always talking about why there why is there such a gap between industry and education, and why is there like that sort of divide, and why do we have to like literally stretch ourselves to make sure that we can make that connection between each other like and I agree why do we need to have two years of masters that means two years of not working in industry you know like and then you're missing out on any changes that are happening in the world that are gonna affect you know the world of architecture um so I think if anything what would have been great is have that one year masters and probably the second year having it integrated into yeah industry so then at least when you leave your master's you've you're already settled in a job yeah. um or like developed connections with a particular firm or you know but I mean <laughs> that's the thing I think it would just be great if they got us more involved in just understanding and putting together like the sort of journey to becoming an architect and mm -hmm. just having our say in it would make such a difference because at the end of the day we're the ones that are doing it so we're the best people to be able to give that information yeah. I mean I think they're doing a good thing with the apprenticeship I yeah. know the London yeah. a system where their program is that you do do work you do do work alongside your design modules um I was going to say something what was I going to say what was I going to say it's not explained enough it's school like I don't think the school and the school the gap between the school the schools and the industry is just like it needs to be bridged because they can't operate as two separate entities um because uh, yeah I've had so many part ones that are like what is a PEDR and it's just like oh my god what <laughs> well that's me right now I'm like literally like I, I don't even know how to fill it in and I just I'm like confused and it's just I'm very <sighs> I had a great PS, uh, uh, PSA, so uh, professional studies advisor and undergrad, and she did a whole session on just PEDRs. And she would call you if you hadn't handed, like, if you, she gets, you get used to when you're going to submit them. And she's just like, if you haven't handed it in within two weeks of that date, she's like, she'll call your office and be like, Amrit, is everything okay? Where is your PEDR? So she was fantastic. But, um, I mean, I can have a whole separate conversation with you about PEDRs and I've tried to make life hacks to make it a lot easier because even doing them at part two, I was just like, oh, this oh, is... I'd love to, please. <laughs> this is so But I, can I just say on this platform, do them while you're, do while, while, you're, um, while you're working. Please don't get to part three and you're sitting there thinking, what was I doing in part one for like five hours on that one Thursday in... Just don't... It's not worth it. It's just... It, I've seen... I've seen peers do it and it just looks very stressful and 
horrible don't do them retrospectively do them in the moment that is my one piece of advice i would like to give until they abolish pdrs because you know again i'm not sure of their relevance once you've done part three you're just like why am i doing this um (laughs) but yes do them as you're going along i can give i'm more than happy to if anyone wants to reach out to me to help people do their pdrs i can't be your uh mentor as such that will have to be someone in your office but I will happily help you of how to get them going and how to keep up to date with them, how to keep them on track. But I think even um, otherwise, you should just, you could maybe just have, it doesn't even have to be like a specific, oh, you are my mentor. This is it. Um, just someone in your office that is like within the management team and you just have a regular catch up and say, look, I'm happy about this, but I'm not happy about this. Cause I know not all practices offer appraisals and stuff like that. So it should just be like, like I used to have them with the architect. He was my mentor, but we used to just have regular three month catch ups. I just put it in his diary and be like, look, we're sitting down and having a chat about my PDR. So you can read them, sign them. We can have a chat and it just be about things I'm happy with, things I'm not happy with, where I want more experience. Um, I really think those kind of conversations have really helped um, because I can bluntly tell them that, look, I want site, I want on site experience. So what's the timeline for me getting that? And uh, I want experience in X, Y, Z. I want training in X, Y, Z, or I want to do this. Um, I think, yeah, things like that really, really help. Um, it's being vocal and like yeah. throughout your journey. I think that's a vocal, big thing. Yeah. Do not be scared to ask any questions. All questions are great questions. They're not, no question is stupid. Always proactive and vocal, yes. Even if it means like getting in your uh, getting in the architect's calendar and be like, look, I know you're free. Two o'clock on Tuesday, we are sitting down. <laughs> That's it. Imagine. <laughs> no, but it's true. I think it's needed. They'll be like, oh my gosh, this person means business. The person that cares about their progression and their experience. Um, I know some practices can be rubbish with that kind of stuff, but if you kind of you're armed with the knowledge um then yeah just take ownership of your own you know professional experience and uh career because then you can quickly learn look this practice isn't going to do anything for me and help me I need to find someone else who is going to help me and look after me and make sure I'm getting the right experience to progress and gain knowledge gain experience um yeah I think loads of people have had yeah people have had that like my I've got friends that are like I'm double guessing if this is a practice for me because you know they don't care about like if I'm progressing and I'm just like slogging away but it's just like they should be nurturing you um important I think like you said you know we're, we want to be able to ask the questions we need to and milk you know the people with the most knowledge in the room about these things so I think one thing that's on all of our minds and a lot of on a lot of students' minds is actually, you know, the very simple breakdown of part three. Mm-hmm. You get an idea of what part one and part two, they sort of hand into each other. But the one thing you don't hear about very much is part three. So like we're asking you the questions here now and want to know like what is this, you know, we do hear about these exams. Mm-hmm end and like what does it all mean like what what is what is this roundup to getting your architectural license like how does this actually happen like a nice debunk all the myths um let me uh explain what i've been doing for the last uh when did i i was only in 2019 so 20 oh god 2021 here we are um so i am doing my part three at university of greenwich i've specifically chosen greenwich um so I will obviously speak on my experience there. I can probably loosely talk about Westminster because my friends have been there, but I wouldn't be able to give you the ins and outs of that. You'd have to talk to someone that studied at Westminster or research their programme. But I chose Greenwich on purpose because they do essays, not exams. <laughs> and I have not sat an exam since my A-level. So I was like, oh, I'm not doing that again. I would definitely rather write an essay. So you do four essays at Greenwich but the you know the overall you've the are the ARB criteria for part three is uh understanding clients professional oh god this is going to really show me up as a part three student maybe I <laughs> so a base level all part three courses will be teaching you professionalism how to deal with your clients and deliver your architectural services 
the legal framework and processes because uh, that's a big part of architecture because we don't want to get sued obviously we do not want that but um making sure that you understand like the planning regulations the building regulations um environmental legislations health and safety all that kind of fun stuff that i don't think gets talked about enough at school we don't i don't think we i don't think we ever talk about it at school um practice and management so running a practice and how that gets done so talking about like fees business management resourcing all that fun stuff as well and building procurement so that is everything to do with building contracts and getting a project on site and delivering that project on site and how that works um so at base level all part three courses are going to be teaching you that because that is the requirement by the architecture registry board but yeah greenwich will do we did four essays one was on uh, legal framework we did one on cdm which is construction design management so health and safety essentially one on one was called the global architect and it was basically looking at i think this was to do with you know growing the profession so we looked at profession how the profession operates in a foreign country so i chose china and understanding how an architect works in china and what kind of lessons we can learn from foreign professions foreign professionalism that we can bring back here and improve our profession in general and the last essay was marketing so how to you know better market not only our practice but yourself as an individual because i think half of the battle is like we were saying earlier is getting people to understand the value that you bring i think that's where we're where we're lacking and it's to our detriment that people don't understand kind of what we do what value we add why we've done this seven years of studying like what is that what have we gained from that um so i think it's understanding the value that your those three little letters hold i guess and all the well not even that all the studying that you've done prior to that so as a part one and a part two it's understanding the value that you are bringing to a practice to a client to anything um yeah so you will do your essays or exams and then you have a case study alongside that. So you do, they're different formats at different universities. They all have their own different philosophies and ethics and whatever behind it. Um, Greenwich takes it as quite uh, autobiographical almost. So I've done a career appraisal, which is like looking at from day dot to primary school to secondary school to where I am today, etc. cetera. Um, and then you do a project, which you, which, you know, most schools will say it has to be on site um i mean you could have you know you could have circumstances where that project isn't on site because of you know things like covid etc but you are talking about your involvement in that project how you've learned and how you've grown by being on that project and what has made what how it has made you a better architect and a better designer and a better professional by being involved in that project so how you've learned my tutor always talks about it as like this is how, this is your transformation. This is like your, this is, he calls it, he will call it, this is your Hollywood movie and it's about you and you need to talk about you and there's going to be a point where you struggle and everything's going down and the world's against you, but then you pick up and you become the hero of your movie. <laughs> That's literally it. how he described it. <laughs> so, um, he, yeah, and then he says, and then you butterfly into a beautiful architect at the end of it, so there's the case study alongside the essays and exams and then the final thing is a interview we call it the viva um I'm not sure what that stands for but we call it the viva uh, which is an interview with the architects registry board so you have two normally two architects registered architects that will ask you questions about your case study about your journey um and they're basically just asking to check your competency and you know make sure that you are ready but Essentially, you should walk into that interview feeling like you are ready. You are an architect, um, not with that, well, not with cockiness, but with you know, meditational zen. That you know, I know what I'm doing. I am competent. Um, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I am at the stage where I've finished the case study. I've done my essays. I'm just waiting to get the interview done, basically. So we're at the last hurdle. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, got this. <laughs> so what happens after this interview is this the stage where they're like yes or no so yeah depending on where you go we i think we get a, quite a quick turnaround for yes or no 
after the interview. Um, I don't think our, I don't, I think our tutor has said that he won't let you sit the interview if he knows your case study isn't like up to par or if you have just like mm-hmm. case study. Um, and then, yeah, you get a yes or a no. The <laughs> thing is, mm-hmm. you ask, the Greenwich does this fantastic thing called Viva Nights and they will basically, a couple of days after everyone's done their interview, we will have like a, a uni it used to be, you know, we would we would be in the lecture room and the people that have passed um, would bring in like drinks and snacks and stuff. And we would sit there talking about our case. They'd, they'd bring their case studies and we'd have a look through and we'd ask them like loads of questions. Fantastic. Great thing. I mean, we've been having them on Zoom. But it's not the same thing because we're not all sitting drinking Prosecco and being like, yeah, you passed. Um, but the funny thing is, if you ask anyone who's passed, like ask them a week later how they feel, they'll be like, you know what life is exactly the same <laughs> like I do not feel any different it's not like this massive like oh my god the light I've seen it I'm at the end of the tunnel like everything is golden they're just like I feel like the exact same but this that's the point I was making that you should go into this final stage thinking I'm ready I'm there already and then you basically won't feel any different but I think it'll just be a relief to not be a student and have my weekends back it might it would be really nice to not feel guilty that I'm not at my desk doing something honestly I'm actually having a wedding ceremony like honestly <laughs> on, on the day the weekend afterwards <laughs> every day for a month oh, will be a celebration Boris better open up things don't I'm gonna be able Boris please free up the the brunches the everything because I will be missing for about a week <laughs> I do not want anyone to contact me for a week, for a week literally no, but even like just on that topic, like what do you feel like? I mean, from what you said, like I just feel like a lightness after just everything yeah. has been done. What it is almost like having a weight lifted off your shoulder that is just no longer you're no longer a student. You've actually qualified. But the thing is, like with our industry, that you're not like you don't go into this. You don't go into part three and think, oh my god, I'm going to be the complete package and I have to know every single thing about everything. But that's not what it's there for. You should know little bit about everything like I can say hand on heart in my um, case study that I don't think I've had enough experience dealing with clients and I don't think I've had enough experience um, with building contracts and procurement and stuff like that so I can say hand on but I will say in my case study going forward this is my action plan to make sure I get that experience so the whole thing is not to be like the finished article um, because you never will be not in this industry because things are always changing like we have new you know things happen um and they have knock-on effects or new technology happens. So we should be constantly learning. So it's not that you need to be the finished article because it, quite frankly, that's impossible. Um, you can't have got all that, exp- unless you've been, unless you've been like a, an assistant for, you know, 10, 15 years or something, you're not going to get all that experience at all. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's understanding where you, where you where you know your stuff like I, I think I know enough about my about law and stuff like that but I know I'm not completely the finished article on certain things so I think it will be it'll just be nice to yeah like I said have my weekends back not be uh working on the, a case study or something or doing something like that at the weekends and just being able to chill out a bit um but I, yeah I know I'm not like that I'm going to be doing something aren't I <laughs> No, honestly, we actually love to keep busy. Um, but what does life look like after part three? Like, what's next for you? Um, I think just carrying. I've you know thoroughly enjoying the projects I'm on at the moment in my practice. So we're doing housing schemes in North London, which is really great. I think it's just you know climbing up the ladder and getting a little bit more experience, a little bit more responsibility. Um, in the long run like hand like hand handling a project doing more client based stuff um yeah i think it's just uh keep growing keep learning keep doing all the other things outside of practice that i'm doing but it would just be you know i've got those three letters to say that i am a qualified architect now <laughs> no honestly and i think through a lot of <clears throat> conversations that we've had as well i mean You've spoken about entrepreneurship, leadership, management, mentoring, and you seem to know a lot more about, I guess, the leadership side of architecture. But how did you become sort of affiliated with business in architecture? Like what what sort of sparked your interest? Um, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know if I'm affiliated with the business side, let's say, but you, you get to understand that more on your part three course. Um, like I said earlier, I think in reality, that's probably a bit too late. I think we should have that integrated maybe a bit, little bit earlier on. Controversial because other people will say, no, actually academia, you should just be exploring artistic and creative stuff because you're not going to do that in practice. But I think small doses of it here and there could be, you know, could be sprinkled in the curriculum. That's not a problem. Um, I think, yeah, it's just those kind, that kind of conversation and then talking. So I've worked in majority small practices. I have opted, I've specifically opted not to work in big practice because I just don't think that's for me and that's not the way I would like to operate, et cetera. Um, so it's being able to, you know, you, you then you hear the conversations about how the business is run and you can talk to, I can approach the managing director. Like in my case, study, I'll just approach a point blank and ask her questions about how the business side of things have worked. Um, and yeah, just connecting with, I think, I think this clubhouse has been great. Like, obviously there's, there's rubbish on there, but there's rubbish on every single social media platform. But I think the architecture side of it has been fantastic. Um, like I said, I've been able to be in rooms with people I didn't think I'd ever be in rooms with. Like Neil Pinder was in a room with me and I was like, this is amazing. Cause I really, I love what he does. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's been great. Like being able to connect with people in that way and, um i think the yeah i think it's been said before but architects are rubbish business people i won't say businessmen but business people <laughs> they're rubbish business people because we have these ongoing issues um with uh you know overworked staff underpaid staff etc 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 um and i think we've got a long way to go in improving that so i kind of think you know anyone that wants to open a practice they don't just need to be an architect etc or they don't just need to be like oh, I've got all these great ideas and I want to do it. I really think people I really think architects need to like understand business and how business businesses operate like I really think at base level we need to ditch this creative starving artist trope like <laughs> it's gone it's dead like people need to, we've got bills to pay uh the cost of living isn't getting any cheaper buying a house is not getting any bloody cheaper um I think we really need to, I think as an industry, we need to become biz better business people. Like the half the mm. things we do, like doing work for free, et cetera, for clients, you wouldn't see anyone else do that. Like you wouldn't be like, mm -hmm. I don't know, a private mm -hmm. doctor would be like, oh yeah, I'll do your cheeky little heart surgery. I'll do it on, I'll do a sly one. I'll just, you know, just pay me a Nando's and I'll get you a heart, heart surgery. <laughs> 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 it just makes no sense so i think we need to ditch this like whole oh, it's nothing. but i think you know there's a lot that needs to be done for that like we used to have uh there used to be the, the fee scale for architects which you know offered us a better and more um competitive fee but then that was ditched so we all became competitive with each other and we just mm -hmm. start cutting each other's throats to get the cheapest price so i think there's a lot on the business side that needs to be fixed and remedied so we're not repeating the same problems uh for infinity basically so i think yeah i became interested in that whole business side because i know it needs improving that's yeah. what they yeah. well i think one question also that i've been thinking about is we always get people that encourage um this practice like you said a lot of people think there's a lot of money in it but it's like a big it's a big boy job you know it's a or not, but have you ever had anyone in your life actually discourage you from pursuing um, architecture throughout your journey? So I I think it's only been me discouraging me from doing it. <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe some, maybe I'm not like out and out discouraged me, but maybe some tutors have made me think, oh God, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is for me. Mm. Um, I think it's only me. I'm very um, grateful that my parents were very, um, I guess, liberal in that stance. Like my dad basically sat me and my brother down and he said, um, I don't care what you do in your life with your careers, like as long as you do it with a bit of dignity and you do it like to the best of your ability, which is, you know, a strong mantra for me. So they were very supportive in that. And I know not a lot of people, not a lot of people are afforded that same support um which is you know a shame because it is you know it's a fantastic it is a fantastic for all its negative negatives it is a fantastic industry and I don't know 
maybe I could be a Hollywood producer, but I don't know what I would be doing otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the only person that ever discouraged me is me, but I've then sought remedy for that kind of thing. Um, I've kind of thought, what else could I be doing though? Um, or I've, you know, sought out work experience to, to, to you know, realign my path. Um, but yeah, I think everyone, you know, you have your ups and downs, you have your self-confidence crises, 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 um, whatever the plural for crisis is. <laughs> you have those moments of self-doubt and you just think, I don't know if this is for me, but you just kind of got to sit with yourself and think, is it is it the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? What is the light at the end of the tunnel? Is that the light at the end of the tunnel that I want? Um, and yeah, I, yeah, make sure you've got a strong strong group of support, strong support with that. Because um, I had, I had have absolutely nothing but the utmost respect for people that do leave this and do something else with it. Because I think that's fantastic. Because it just shows that you know this this degree isn't just like linear you haven't just got to be like okay I've done architecture part one I've got to do part two part three it opens up so many doors and that's the reason I did it in the first place because I really didn't know if I wanted to be designing buildings I thought maybe I'd be designing clothes or graphics or products or something but um I think yeah it's it was only ever me discouraging me but I'm now here and we're at the final hurdle it's the final countdown so I think yeah really I mean it you are in, you are in a really good position I think as are all of us in that we've always had very strong support system around us and I do know a couple of people that you know some people didn't have like supportive parents mm-hmm. this route or supportive friends or you know like relationships that didn't encourage this because it would have had an effect on somebody else or on that but it is nice to hear that you like it was quite a refreshing answer you know the only person that discouraged you was yourself and I think we don't think about that sometimes like because it's a it's a very natural thing to do um to question but yeah you can be your own worst enemy sometimes. I'm uh, yeah, anyone that knows me is knows that I'm my own biggest enemy at the best of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know we need to have like I don't know we need to have like the kind of infrastructure in place for people that don't have the same support networks. So I feel you know obviously there's financial there's financial barriers, there's accessibility barriers, and I just I want to be. I want us to be the generation that breaks all of those down. Like, I don't know, I can't get free money for everyone to study architecture, but we could look at ways we make the course cheaper and it's more accessible. So um, I really hope we can have a time where no one is ever discouraged from doing, oh, this is going to sound so cheesy and cliche. Like, so, <laughs> but I hope we get to a point where no one is discouraged from doing what they want to do in this life. Like, and even if that's architecture, I, I, you know, and I can help in some way or we can help in some way that would be great that'd be fantastic and if it's only you discouraging you that's not that that's not the worst place to be if you've got if you've got external forces bringing negativity on something that you think you want to do I think that's that's not a great place to be that's what yeah it's not I think you're so right I think there's even at work now that I think about it there's um, because I'm running like a women's entrepreneurship program and there's a girl who was like she wanted to kind of take part in the program but she wasn't like quite sure because she was also studying she was actually studying architecture um but like she didn't have the support group around her and so she was like thinking about so many different things and I was just like you know what let's just have a chat and like I've been talking with her once a week since I first met her and I don't I wouldn't say it's mentoring per se but I think it's nice to have like an encouraging voice Mm. especially when you don't have like your friends around you your family around Mm -hmm. you like or the studio culture like it's very difficult studying from home um honestly it's it's mad I I don't know how a lot of people are studying right now um working from uh, studying from home credit to the the third year student I'm uh, mentoring at the moment I was like I've honestly got so much um respect and uh kudos to you because I, t- I don't know how anyone's studying and given the circumstance because you know a big part of architecture school is that studio mm-hmm. um yeah. being able to bounce ideas and 
you know, they're doing it virtually, but it's not the same and obviously when you're struggling and things are not going right being on your own is like the worst place because sometimes you can just get really in your head um the mental health side of things is uh, yeah um yeah I've got nothing but kudos props the utmost respect to anyone on their architectural career during this horrible pandemic times yeah nothing but respect and then, you know, I think, you know, people are doing great things like the Par- Paris are obviously is on your last episode is doing things with narrative practice, which is fantastic. And they're offering mentoring um, to students across the world, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's I said to my mentee, I was just like, even if it's just we meet up and you just rant and vent to me, I am absolutely OK with that. Because at least you've got somewhere to outlet that. And I can be like, right things are going crap right now but let's look at what we do have where we need to get to get it together so even if it's just stuff like that um i don't know if i want to be an academic tutor in the future but maybe no. men what no. i call it no definitely no, i think with mentoring especially in architecture is needed like i think everyone you know, needs a mentor yeah, yeah like talking to you throughout this whole podcast i was talking to parissa as well i was just like yeah we need more mentors or people who yeah. like been in the industry for a long time and they can tell us you know what I wish I didn't do this a certain way or like encourage you and be like okay maybe don't do that or this because like thinking back to my own architectural journey if I had a mentor I think you would see things from a different perspective so definitely commend what you're doing like mentoring and like I think it needs to be encouraged that you know people are who are at that stage should you know you know, offer like their time, mm-hmm. but I guess it's like time as well. Um, I don't know, like money and also just yeah, architecture mm-hmm. is a lot in itself. So yeah, sometimes you need to <laughs> yeah, you need to check in with yourself sometimes as well. I think like just kind of remember why you're doing what you're doing. I don't obviously it will be good to do it with friends, but sometimes I think like when you're not working, when you're not studying, just check in with yourself. Okay, why am I doing what I'm doing and what are my goals for the week? And you know, just remember um to <laughs> remain human at the same yeah. time. You're still allowed to have goals and aspirations as an aspiring architect. Like obviously that doesn't have to be your only goal or aspiration. It could be I wanna be an architect and I want to have a family and two dogs like you know <laughs> like you're allowed to honest you can have it all you can actually have it all you can have it all yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and I think you know throughout this whole podcast it's just like been refreshing to hear what you have to say like as much as like we already know that there's like negatives to architecture like talking to you we know like you know what part three is achievable and like these are like the steps as much as like you know the journey is not going to be the narrow journey it's going to be like your own journey um but yeah I think like the last question to you I guess is like throughout your whole journey would you say would you say have you seen like change in terms of architecture being that quote-unquote male-dominated um industry um i mean on an on an academic level yes because i guess you go into uni and it's almost 50 50 in that Mm. it's girls that boys 50 50 um but unfortunately we still don't see the same numbers um in practice on like your board of directors in positions of power etc um it's still quite highly I hate to say but it's still quite highly male dominated um you know and I was like I was saying earlier it's inspired it was inspired by what I was reading on future architects front which I am obviously a big uh believer in and you know we need to improve the industry for those that are up and coming in the career um and uh create better working conditions for everyone so we're all you know paid what we deserve we're not working stupid hours um etc etc but yeah it's just architecture seems to be stacked against women um and you know desire to start family is not helped by things like long years in education low wages long hours um so yeah i hope we can see you know that there is the gap being built between having you know having a family friendly uh, industry i guess or practice um or profession and so we can see women progress within the industry it's not just like oh I've had kids and that's it my career now stagnates and I can't do anything but 
you know that women women should have the same opportunities afforded to them um so yeah i yeah don't want to end it on a bummer (laughs) but we're not we're we're making good progress because we are seeing you know more girls getting into the profession by by ways of studying it but you know the dropout rate at part three then and going forward is getting slim is still quite slim which is uh not great it's not what we want to see so i think we need to make again it's just a, it's just a case of making things more accessible and more orientated like more orientated to having a life outside this profession like people want to have a family people want to have kids uh people want to be in relationships i don't know <laughs> um yeah want to see definitely that's why i got into mentoring is because i want to see more women in this profession in this industry um great if it's even more women in women of color in the industry that'd be even better like way better but um yeah just want to see more people like us in the industry we have something we have something to offer um like yeah well, i don't know sometimes we can do a bit better than men come on come on we can 100 <laughs> percent get them out of there <laughs> no but the thing is we have you like you're like you know you're someone that we can all look to like you're at your final hurdle and we, we can be like yeah amr is done and we can see and like um is there's there's another woman of color that's making it in architecture so yeah like it's just been lovely talking to you and inspirational as well that you, know. you guys can definitely 100 percent do it and i will be there we will be celebrating afterwards and saying, look, I told you we could all do it. and We can all have it. We, it we're all winning. Um, the more, yeah, I just like, I, I enjoy helping people getting, getting through the maze and labyrinth that is architecture in general. So anything I can do to help anyone at any stage uh, makes me feel very happy. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure to stay up to date on our social media. That's at 1to100podcast. Send us a DM, email us at 1to100podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear all your suggestions on how we can tailor our content for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wrap!